Episode 302, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 6, Episode 5, The Other Thing. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. This is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it started with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and this is what we're talking about today, that part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is not exactly following along with the movies right now, because, well, I don't want to spoil Endgame, but Endgame doesn't feel like it happened here in this episode of Welcome of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, I like Marvel I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm here with someone else who likes both of those things, and that is Agent Samantha. Hello, how are you? Doing great, doing great. This is a busy time of the year for me, but uh, it's also a fun time of the year, and honestly, it's made even a little bit more fun, not because of the stress of having to like podcast about things, but because we actually have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. through the summer here. This is, this is kind of fun. I, True. Uh, it is a really good season. It's It's been a really fun season. And so I've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every week right now. And Swamp Thing TV show on DC Universe every week. And those two things, they just warm my heart. <laughs> um, okay, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. warms my heart. Swamp Thing is just kind of cool that I actually have that. <laughs> but... Even though they canceled the series after, oh, what, one episode? Well, no, it was canceled before that episode even came out. <laughs> okay, like, that's a record for me. <laughs> well, they they cut it from 13 episodes to 10 episodes before the first episode came out. Uh, but they had done production on, I think, the first nine episodes. And they were finishing working on finishing the 10th episode. They had like two weeks to figure out a way to wrap things up. And adjust the 10th episode to be the final episode. And then they did some reshoots for some other earlier episodes, like episode two and four or something like that. I don't know. But um, those reshoots were to help uh, with the ending, I guess, that they were they were leading toward in in episode 10. Um, And then there's a whole bunch of controversy about why, if it was a tax write off mistake or if it's that Warner Brothers is really nervous about Disney Plus uh, and so their DC Universe subscription is, you know, it, it can't hold the candle to what Disney can do. You know, sure. you, you've just got some DC movies, some D- DC TV shows, and you compare that to the Disney Vault, and, and it's nothing. And so, yeah, I, I can understand them being a little nervous about you know head-to-head battle <laughs> between the two services, but. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a mess. Uh, I'm just hoping the first three episodes of Swamp Thing have been fantastic. They've been really, really good. Uh, I'm excited to, you know, continue watching. And hey, 10 episodes going from 13 episodes to 10, 10 episodes. That's 10, 10 episodes I didn't have before, you know? True. And uh, especially if it's good, which whenever you have something you like that they do something with, that's all you can hope for is it's going to be good. Well, if you say it's, I haven't, I don't have a subscription to DC Universe, but if you say it's good, 
I am sad that they canceled it so quickly. Oh, I only will be sad if it's not a good ending. Okay. You know, I mean, if it, if it's a good ending again, that's 10 episodes I didn't have before. And yeah, I'm a big fan of the character and I really like what they're doing with the character in the show. But yeah, if it's, if it's canceled, but they give us a good ending, I'm good with it. But you know, I'm the one who says, Hey, one season of Firefly in a movie, it's enough for me. You know, I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah. So, oh, and there's also a ton of comic books that follow uh, the movie too. So, yeah, I haven't been reading the current series, but the other stuff was really good. It was. I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been keeping up with the current series at all. I feel so bad. And uh, my boyfriend has all of my other issues because I lent them to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. But, that's for me. I, I don't pay attention to every single show that airs on TV and is canceled very quickly. But I think the fastest I've ever heard of a cancellation on a show was uh, for the series Drive, which was like a racing sort of scavenger hunt sort of weird series that um, <laughs> it was Nathan Fillion's first show after Firefly. was. Oh, canceled. I remember that show. <laughs> yeah, I remember really liking it, um, but they canceled it the day after it premiered due to low ratings. But I'm sure the low ratings had a lot to do with the fact that um, there was a massive blackout in, in northeastern United States that night. So there was a huge swath of viewership that was unable to watch it that night. Well, and that and that's unfortunate. You know, you can't control those kind of things. The thing is, it's just wild. I, I've heard of other shows getting canceled after one episode, and mm-hmm. it's just they—they they don't even have a chance. You know, they don't even have a chance to to gain an audience. Uh, with with this though, the audience is built in. I mean, DC Universe—you either subscribe to it or you don't. And those subscribers, that money is coming in. It's not about advertising. It's not about how many advertisers are we going to get for the show. Oh, low ratings. Our advertisers pulled out. We're canceling the show. Uh, With with DC Universe, it's just who's subscribed. We have this many people subscribed. And that's how much money is going to come in every month. And, And so I think it's probably something closer to the subscriber numbers weren't high. And this show does not feel like the kind of thing is going to bring in more subscribers. And so I think that they're – I think we're going to see with DC Universe uh, a little bit of a course correction. Um, they're going to continue with Titans because that has already gotten a new uh, season order. I think we're going to get more shows similar to Arrow and Flash and those kind of things where it's more family-friendly, um, more accessible to uh, casual fans. I mean Swamp Thing, the show is accessible to casual fans, but – Casual fans are probably not going to like jump on this service because, hey, I heard some great things about that horror swamp monster show. <laughs> it's it's probably not going to happen. So I can understand why, you know, if it's a tax break thing, I can understand that. If it's uh, a suit getting worried because, you know, it's not going to make the money that they need to justify the cost of a high production because there's high production values in this show. There's it's it's uh, practical effects. A lot of it is. Um, I mean, not I everything. Love practical effects. Yeah, not everything, but you can tell. I mean, there's some scenes, and I think it was the second episode that really took me back to like 
uh, it just had a, a vibe from the thing, you know, John Carpenter's the thing, uh, mm-hmm. just the, the style of horror gore that was practical. And yeah, I, so do I highly recommend it? Well, sure. <laughs> I know it doesn't <laughs> sound like a high recommendation, but I say, well, sure. If you like that kind of thing, but I wouldn't go out and, you know, subscribe for a year of DC Universe just because of that show. I'd make sure there's other things on there that you want to watch. Well, speaking of the horror and practical effects. Ooh, that is a good segue. Yeah. Um, other we thing. Do, there is a moment of that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tonight, and I'd love to talk about it. Well, let's get to it then, because there's some really interesting things in this episode. Uh, we basically have three different things going on, three different plot lines. Um, we have the, the May and Sarge stuff. We have the space stuff and then we have the base stuff and they all come together at the very end as our, uh, groups of people are finally going to return and we get the band back together more or less. Everyone ends up in the base at the end of this episode, except for two people. Well, three, if you want to count Enoch. I don't count him right now. Okay. He betrayed me when he betrayed Fitz. Well, I've already seen the next episode. I haven't. We're, <laughs> we're recording a week later. I haven't. So uh, don't don't say anything. But right now I'm, I'm still kind of like, hmm, what's going on here? What's going on? You want to start in space? Yes, let's okay. start in space. Let's start in space because in space we've got we got some world building going on is what we've got. Um, Chronicom people are coming after Enoch. Uh, Enoch is having his existential crisis, which is kind of funny. Uh, I mean, existential crises in general aren't that funny, but they can be. And Enoch's is funny as he's wallowing, trying to figure out what's his place in this in this universe. <laughs> Here's the phrase I love. And this come this means I can't use this one at the end, but I'm going to go ahead and go with it. Uh I have become a cautionary tale used to keep children from a life of crime and excess. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. but that's world building right there, you know? Like Yeah. The thing that he is, which he's he's obsolete and the they're coming after him and they're going to de- decommission him or whatever. The thing that he is is a horror story told to children at night to keep them good. <laughs> you know, he is the he is the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood. It's I love it. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine Enoch as the wolf. <laughs> well, you already imagined him as Agent Smith from The Matrix, so that's true. Yes, because I, I uh, this week I rewatched The Matrix because I have not seen that series in years, and um, um, well, I would say he's a friendlier version of Agent Smith, <laughs> much friendlier. And who did Stewart say he reminded him of? Oh, I can't remember now. <sighs> he had a good one. Well. Maybe we'll remember it. Maybe we won't. If we can get Stuart back in, in the chair, uh, maybe he can bring it up. But yeah. So the world building is we're finding out more about um, chronic, the Chronicom people. And they come, uh, Atara is is there and it's bad. Uh, she can be bad and, and she knows him 
And they say he's under arrest for tampering with the universe. But they're flying Confederacy ships. I'm having trouble with them. <laughs> for <laughs> with, the exact reason you just mentioned, and it's not the ships. Well, what is it? You said they're, they're not trying to tamper with the universe. Well, they're arresting him for tampering with the universe. And then what's their whole goal? I know. Tampering with the universe. <laughs> I know. I... I think there's a, just a huge fundamental problem with their their mindset, the, their own way of thinking. Oh, and we're not tampering with the universe, even though we send out anthropologists and hunters to tamper with the universe. Well, I mean, they do send them out as as watchers, as as viewers. Um, but I think even more fundamentally hypocritical is that they're planning to build a time machine to stop yes. their world from being destroyed. That's tampering with the universe. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty heavy tampering with the universe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Chronica Two is gone. They've lost their planet, and it happened because of minor distortions in the fabric of space. They don't know what happened or how that was caused. Um, but they're coming after the secret to time travel. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. the question I have has been answered. Uh, the question was, are Sarge and his team related to the bounty hunter type guy who took fits last episode? And the answer is no, they're both looking for the same kind of thing. They're both looking for things that don't belong in the timeline, so to speak, like the team that's looking for fits and, you know, Deke on earth, but they're not related to each other. Uh, Sarge has his own thing going on and they have their own thing going on. And yeah. I just thought of something. Yeah. What if the Chronicoms created the, um, oh, what's it called? The Shrike? Oh, the Shrike. What if they created the Shrike accidentally by tampering with time? Yeah. I mean, we're stepping into episodes where yeah. we could, this could go anyway. I mean, you're, what you just said, that's actually. As of last episode, might have been a possi- might not have been a possibility, but as of this episode, uh, if they get the secret to time travel, then yeah, anything in the past could have been caused. Uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of shenanigans that could happen. I mean, time yeah. travel just by its very nature elicits shenanigans, shenanigans, and potentially rippling ripping the universe apart. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's somewhere in between. Yeah. So we'll we'll have to see. I don't know how soon I have to wait if tomorrow when I watch the next episode, if if I'll see what happens. But um, if you like Joss Whedon stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Angel or Firefly or anything like that. All right. All right say no more. Say no more. You'll love this next episode. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm taking your word for it. Uh, I've been loving this season. I think that's that's the description that I'm thinking. If you've been loving this season, will this will this episode be good? And so far, every episode, they've been nailing it, nailing it. Um, So back to Enoch and all of them. We find out that uh, there is no gender in the Chronicom. We find okay. out that they have uh, – <laughs> that 
he he and Atara had some form of um intimate relationship that involved, you know, entering each other's data ports and and that sort of thing. So like they I mean did I miss that? Oh, that was a whole back and forth that they had where I only got where she was his superior at one point and mm-hmm. they did not get along. Well, and I think this is why they didn't get along. He at one point says, I can't believe I, I allowed you to uh, enter my data port or something like that. And she she mentioned something else about bringing him into her data pod or something like that. It was I it was clearly oh, they had a relationship that went beyond the workplace. But it also sounds like it was a workplace relationship that did not work out very well. And so he went to Earth for 20,000 years or whatever. And, <laughs> and wow. It's been a while since they've seen each other. So. Well, talk about not getting over it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So they're going to get what they want, though, because Enoch gives them the information needed to get what they want. And that is Fitz can do the time travel thing. And if you put Simmons in danger, he will do anything to save her. And so all they need is Simmons and Fitz and they can let everyone else go home. And so Daisy makes the hard choice. She decides to go ahead and leave Simmons behind and return home with uh, the two people that I can't remember their names right now. That's really bad. Oh, Piper and Davis? Yeah, I had them last week, or last episode anyway. I I knew what their names were, but yeah, they're able to go home. I'm so glad because Davis can actually go home and see his child, his family. Mm -hmm. And Piper can get off that ship and stop being annoyed with Piper, or with Davis, rather. Um, I think those two actually like each other. It's just they've been contained in a small space for far too long together. Oh, they will miss each other big time when they yeah. get home but yeah. they need some space right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's she's pretty annoyed you know i am it's that yeah, work, pl- workplace relationship mess- you can't choose who you work with True. but you know you can choose how you're going to work with them and but i love how they work as comic relief too that because we've all been there yeah <laughs> yeah so fitz and simmons though it looks like they're on the path to at least spending a little bit of time together again soon. But we end this episode with Fitz figuring out that Enoch was the one who kind of sold him out. And in that conversation, <laughs> what I wrote in my notes was Enoch and Fitz are reunited and it feels so awkward. <laughs> um, and then he gasses Fitz. And I don't know what the heck was that all about. We'll find out hopefully in the next episode. Don't say anything. <laughs> oh, I won't. Not that you will. I know you won't. I mean, you. I will say you will enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's or, what happened with them. Or actually, that was kind of rude. That sounded like I was ordering you to enjoy it, but <laughs> I hope you will. <laughs> it's like the whole uh, uh, National Lampoon's family vacation where it's uh, we are going to go to Wally World and you are going to enjoy it. <laughs> and then they get there and it's closed. But. <laughs> So, yeah, that's uh, that's the space stuff. And it ends with uh, May and not May. It ends with uh, Daisy and her team arriving back to the base. And it's a a cheerful moment, actually, literally a a cheering moment for for the shield team, because 
their their team has come home. Oh, I wanted to talk also talk about uh, before we got into the episode. Um, the overarching theme of this episode. Yeah, yeah. It is the other thing, meaning uh, that thing that you you have to face. You really don't want to. It's bothering you. You've been putting it off. Uh, and but you have to face it and address it in one way or another. So, like with like with Enoch facing, uh, is it Atara? Mm-hmm. Facing her. <laughs> um, the Shrike is probably perfect because they're the cancer of the universe, and sometimes when you like have a lump or a mole, sometimes people will just kind of pretend it's not a problem other people will hop right over to the doctor's office um but still either way you have to deal with it and then and then you have may and and sarge yeah and then you have may and sarge and may and colson may and colson yeah both uh and that uh, really tense um, conversation between Yo-Yo and Mac, and he admits he was closing off, fearing that he wouldn't measure up to Coulson as a director. Mm-hmm. And Yo-Yo has been angry at Mac for pushing her away. Yeah, because she used to be the one he would turn to. Yeah. And and actually then in this episode, he tries to turn to her. Yeah. But she is super angry and bitter. And has, I think, some pretty good reasons to be, and even now some new reasons to be after last episode because of just the position she found herself in. It's not that Mac put her in that position. Uh, in fact, it might have gone better if Mac had actually gone with protocol and separated them. Mm. Uh, because they ended up working together. I mean, they were on the base together, so it wasn't like they were out on a on a wi- on a mission. But you know this. This this whole thing that happened last episode is just kind of proof, you know. You've relationships get in the way sometimes of making the hard choices that you have to make, and in this case, uh, they should have done something maybe earlier, but they didn't. And then they found out, you know, he's got this weird kind of minor possession thing going on, and. It's all bad, and she has to kill him, which is the right thing to do in that situation because he was going to cause a lot more death. But it's hard to see it that way. Mm. It's hard to see it that way. Uh, so since we're talking about them anyway, yeah. let's talk about let's... you know the, the relationships that are going on at the base. Mac and Yo-Yo, we just, we just talked about. I felt bad for Mac, but at the same time, that was one of those you made your bed. You know, now, now you got to lie in it. And he, the choice he made was to close himself off. Yeah. And that you pay the consequence of your choice. Yeah. Hopefully though, they can patch things up. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we should be shipping them now. I mean, did we just have Keller go through all that? So that could give her something to go through. And then we just bring them back together as a relationship. Well, we deal with Fitz and Simmons constantly being torn apart all the time. 
but that's not really an internal issue in their relationship. It's more external things tearing them apart. But with Mac and Yogo, this is an inter- internal relationship issues yeah. at play. Yep. yep. So I think we can. It's just it might take a while for them to get back together. I hope it does. If it's going to happen, I would like to see them work through the hard stuff. Yeah. You know, that's that's not often what we see in TV romance, you know, of, of working through the hard stuff and, yeah, working together through it, though. And, yeah, with Fitz and Simmons, it is. It's the universe kind of working against them. And with Mac and Yo-Yo, it's kind of themselves working against them. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was going to say something, but never mind. Yeah. Well, okay, so we have two other things really going on at the base as far as relationships go. You've got Mac talking to Benson and having the talk with Benson, and then Benson going to Yo-Yo and having the conversation. Um, The conversation about Yo-Yo is that she saved everyone by killing Keller, and then part of Benson's backstory, this whole thing about losing his husband, uh, was a do-not-resuscitate kind of thing the situation where he chose to have uh, his husband taken off of a respirator and, and allowing him to die and how now he lives with that. And it's the same kind of thing where is this for the best or not? And in Yo-Yo's case clearly is for the best. It was the needs of the the many outweighing the needs of the one in that situation. That's the kind of math that you were looking at. Well, from what we learned from this episode, it was already too late for Keller. Right. That's another good thing for us to learn. Yeah. And I think if Keller knew what we know now, I think he would have agreed to it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, The other thing that happens is they study this stuff. (laughs) Uh. So they look at what's in the alien bat bird thing and they figure out, oh, that's similar to monoliths. And we got these two monoliths here that control space and time. Maybe, you know, there's a similar molecular structure. They're related in molecular structure. Maybe the Shrike control life and death because, as I wrote in my notes, <laughs> it's they know this because science intuition. That's it. Science. We know it. And I just don't see where they make that leap that Shrike control life and death or Shrike in that other monolith or, or whatever. But I think that was only a theory. Well, it came really quickly is all. Yeah. And um, oh, the new man. Benson. Benson. Oh, I am. I didn't write down his name. Um, well, that one I can remember because. of. Benson. Well, he's, he's <laughs> investigating that that hypothesis. Because he's going down to South America to investigate uh, Pachacutic. Was it Pachacutic? Yeah. Yes. Well, or close enough. Yes. Yeah. It, well, because here's the cool thing about him. That's his arc right now. This is him going in. This is him finally embracing what he's there to do. This is May getting off the bus. Yeah. This is yeah. him getting off that bus. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's getting off that bus by getting onto the Zephyr or whatever, Quinjet. Uh, to go and he's going to investigate this stuff. And I'm liking this guy. This seemed like a really odd addition to the cast because, you know, he's not, 
he's not young, fit, healthy, and lovely. You know, he's an awesome yeah. guy, but he's like, he's like a grandfather. Yeah, well, or, a lot like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that older professor who is not spending um, three hours a day in the gym. He's he's like somebody you would know next door. Or, or he's like someone that I'd know looking in the mirror. I mean, he's, <laughs> but he is in now. Yeah. He is ready to do this. He has, he is embracing the role, embracing the job, embracing the weird, and he's going for it. So it's a, it's a good character arc. I hope that he is around to stay for a while and that he's not another Keller who's oh. just there to, to die later on. Same here. I hope he stays um, for a really long time. Because what's more interesting than a an alcoholic professor who lost his spouse? Well, I can think of a lot of things more interesting than that, but <laughs> but they're making him very interesting, and and well, he himself is is very uh, the actor, I should say. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a he's got a great. I don't know. Gravitas is quite the right word because he. He has some gravitas, but then he also just has, you know, he's um, he's unsure of himself and he's unsure of his position if he even wants to be there. Uh, and he's bringing a lot to the part. And I like this guy, Benson. <laughs> I only remember his name, though, because of Benson. The, oh. the show. Yeah. OK. Well, I think he is supposed to f- fulfill that every man. Uh, role in a, in a huge way. Well, every time he talks, all I can think of is the theme music from Benson from that TV show when I was a kid. (laughs) At first it sounded like you were singing the theme to I dream of Jeannie. (laughs) It's got a similarity to it, but okay. I have not seen that show since I was very, very small. It's not one that really makes a lot of heavy rotation in rerun uh, TV networks. So I don't know about cable ones, but the ones that I get like MeTV and MyTV and um, those kind of things, it's not Benson. It's it's the – I think Benson Benson is mid-level. So you got like your Cheers and your MASH kind of thing that's all over the place. And then you have your cheap sitcoms that nobody cares about. And so they end up on those cheap networks. And I think Benson's in the middle where a little too expensive for those cheap networks, but not quite enough to be everywhere all the time. Uh, like, like Nick at Night areas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, two of those rerun networks that we have on regular broadcast television, two of them do MASH. They have MASH uh, at one, one's at six and the other's at eight or something like that. I mean, it's two of them are carrying MASH. Neither of them are carrying Benson. Let's just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, Benson. That was my introduction to uh, higher government with the with the governor there, and uh, Odo was on that. There's our Star Trek reference. Ah. Oh. Well, that's yeah, space. I really have not seen that show in a long time. <laughs> that's space. That's base. Let's talk about May and Phil. The truck. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have two plot lines happening here. Uh, one of them is flashbacks 
to May and Phil on the beach. And this will probably be the most negative thing I'm going to say about this season. The budget was really showing through here. And I don't know if they were trying to make it. Maybe maybe it was just uh, trying to make it mood or tone or or thematic feeling. But um, all the beach stuff with them sitting in those two chairs next to each other, the entire episode, every flashback was to that. I can understand going there. Um, and since it's like within her head, you know, maybe there's reasons to not have establishing shots or to show too much more of the, the setting that they're in, but it felt, it felt cheap. It didn't feel It didn't feel like it, they were setting up a tone or or a mood. It felt like they were setting up a cheap set to me. And so it kind of took me out a little bit. And it took me a little while to really warm up to what was going on there. By the time we got to the final flashback, I was okay. But, but especially at first, it was just kind of, oh, it's supposed to be dreamlike, but it, it's just static. Yeah, now that you mention it, there was not a grain of sand in sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Presumably they were on a beach, but maybe they were on a deck by maybe. the sand. I, I just don't know. I, I did see some uh, palm fronds, mm-hmm. um, but that could have either just been a blurry background or that could have been green screened. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. if it was supposed to be dreamlike and, and – Especially when they're transitioning from one place to another, from one, um, you know, from the truck to the beach or to the the resort or whatever, uh, that could feel dreamlike or nightmarish as well. Um, but when it's just the the two shot, and then you, you're moving from a two shot to a a close up head and shoulders, and and that was it. It just it, instead of feeling dreamlike, it it felt like I said static. It felt um, it felt dry. And and that was really unfortunate because when I when they first go there, I'm thinking, oh great, we're getting flashbacks, and and then the flashbacks just aren't aren't delivering much, other than setting up stuff that we already knew, but also now setting up connections between Sarge and Coulson, and so then it's hard to tell are we are we looking at actual flashbacks, or are we looking at things that have been not manipulated by the Sarge, but um. But she has taken in things he said. Well, I think these are actual flashbacks because anything that gets repeated from one character to the other, Coulson says it first, I think, and then Sarge says it. Or if it's not everything, it's like every other thing. But they repeat things that each other said. And I think that's to show that there is a connection between these two guys. Like they may not be the same person. But they're the same person. It's just one of them lived in one, started life in one universe, and the other one started life in, on Earth here. Um, I just, I want to know, I mean, we, we will get the episode, but I want to know what is Sarge's deal. Where did he come from? What is he? Who is he? Well, he did s- explain some things about himself. He, he did. made it. 
Yeah, he made it clear. He, um, I thought he made it clear that he is from this universe. He said he was born on another world. I thought he was saying that he's from another universe. But maybe uh, what what I got that he made clear was that he is hundreds of years old, and he will die a hundred years after May dies. No, that's he said he was a he was about a hundred years old in Earth years. Okay. And that's partially because he lived for a while on a planet that was traveling at light speed, which if you understand the theory of relativity. Oh, he said faster um, than light. Faster than light. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So if you understand the theory of relativity, then you know that if you're moving at the speed of light or faster, then you age. um, Well, you you really just don't age. Time moves slower for you. Yes. And, yeah, so it's the whole, um, oh, Planet of the Apes thing, you know, where they are going through time uh, into the future at a very fast speed. But that means for them, not much time will pass. But then when they arrive to their destination in the future, hundreds of years have passed on Earth. Uh, But with Planet of the Apes, the first movie – uh, a lot more time passes than they anticipated because of a problem with the ship. And so it actually gave the Earth time to be have humanity toppled by the by the apes and the apes to rise and to rule the Earth. And oh, spoiler, sorry, <laughs> that they were actually on Earth all along. Yes, yeah, spoiler for yeah. a 40-some-year-old movie. Um that's a classic. Might even be 50-some years old. 68. <laughs> it was 68. 68, 69. Oh, there, yeah. yeah. So it's it's 51 years old now. <laughs> oh, man. It's an old movie, but it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Um, back in my days when I was working at the movie studio, I knew someone who was a producer for the not the original movie, but the sequels. And he had a couple different ape masks in his office. And I, I'll tell you, those rubbery masks over time, they harden. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, it was no longer rubber. It was just a hard plastic shell on a on a mannequin head. But it was still very cool to look at and yeah. see. I would love that. I got to see uh, at the Chinese theater, the Man's Chinese Theater, uh, I got to see a special showing of Planet of the Apes. And then Charlton Heston came out and did a Q&A afterward. Oh, wow. That was really cool. Yeah, oh, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> A lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this Coulson, Sarge, rather, is much, much older than than May. And he says he'll die 100 years after she does. And so I don't know what it is that's different about him. But that's the one thing I, I'm still hazy on is are they from another parallel universe, which I assumed – Probably because he's a double of Coulson. I think that I assumed he was a double of Coulson from another universe who was born on Earth to the same parents, but into a different situation that caused him, you know, their Earth was destroyed by the Shrike. And that they are going from Earth to Earth to Earth to Earth with this. Instead of it being from planet to planet to planet to planet. And well, that that's that's the way I heard it was that he was saying he was from another world and he's going from planet to planet all over the universe trying to just stop the uh, the Shrike. Yeah, so I I just want to know what's the backstory here because 
they made connections in this episode that clearly show they may not be the same person, but they are very, very, very similar. They use similar turns of phrases and they have similar personalities, similar, not exact copies, but similar. And they have similar um, talents and abilities. Yes, like like talking somebody down. Um, because I think one of the earliest encounters we had with Sarge, he had this method of talking. Oh, the uh, the clerk at the uh, at the um, convenience store. He talked him down out of doing something uh, heroic. Yeah, yeah. And that sounded like something that Phil Coulson, the one we knew and love, it sounds like something he may have done. Yes, except a little less ominous and threatening. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, we did have a situation like that with Coulson in a convenience store. And a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's Hammer. That's right. Where he, you know, there's guys who were holding it up and he is, you know, talking them down and then he uses a bag of flour to take them down. And I love that little, little Marvel short, the Marvel one shot rather. Yeah, speaking of things I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> I just watched them with yeah. my kids. I just watched them with my kids so they could see that little bit with Coulson. And also, fun surprise, uh, Iron Man 2. I just watched that with the kids, and Coulson was in that, and they were excited to see him in that, too. Even though it was brief, very brief. I think that's still the only MCU movie I've only seen once. Really? Yeah, and I think it's up on Amazon right now. It is. Amazon Prime. Yeah. That's how we watched it. Although I see on my shelf right now, I thought I couldn't find Iron Man 2, but it is literally like the second movie in on my shelf right now. So I don't know what I was thinking when I said I couldn't find the disc. Because the oh. kids said, can we watch Iron Man 2? And I said, I can't find it. And they said it's on Amazon Prime. And <laughs> yeah, Well, there you didn't have to pay extra, so. That's true, because it was Prime. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's also Black Widow's introduction into the MCU. Um, I was very disappointed to remember that they introduced her with a shot of her rear end. Like that was the introduction to Black Widow. Yeah. Yep. Let's bring her in. Let's just start off sexualizing her. So. Yeah. I mean, I really like the backstory with her and that she's a... Um, a secret agent and um, an assassin, but it's just every time you have a female agent who is that, they automatically um, sexualize characters like that. And yeah. it's like, why can't you just have them be like a frumpy bookkeeper, like um, Julia Child was? I mean, she she worked um, in espionage during World World War Two. Well, for I mean, it's Scarlett Johansson. So yeah, um, she's you know they can they can do the whole put glasses on her, make her put her hair up, and now she's frumpy bookkeeper because uh, that's the part she was playing. <laughs> you know, like she is she is the bookkeeper. She is the person coming in to be Pepper's assistant and keep her eye on on Robert Downey Jr. from the inside. But let me speak as as a woman who is currently wearing glasses and has her hair up in a ponytail. That's not enough to make a woman pretty. All right. 
it's not enough to make them not pretty. Like that's that's the funny thing is that you know you have this this beautiful woman wearing glasses with her hair up, and it's like, and now I'm going to take the glasses off comfy. and bring my hair down, and suddenly I'm beautiful. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not how yeah. beauty works. That's. Uh, and the other thing yes. I've heard, you could tell me yeah. if this is true or not, but I hear that you know when you take your hair out of a bun. It doesn't just automatically fall into this perfect dew, you know, when it's down, right? No, it doesn't. Like, doesn't it just kind of hold the shape of the bun and it just holds the shape but hanging down now? Like, not together? It, it usually comes out in a weird knot for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's movies, though. I mean, that's just the way movies are. That's part of the language of movies, although it is changing a little bit. And they're allowing the person with glasses and the bun to just be beautiful with glasses and a bun. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, maybe maybe we're seeing a sea change there. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the whole back and forth between Sarge and May is interesting and fun. It's a little bit of cat and mouse. Uh, Sarge knows more information than May knows. And... Instead, you know, he has he maybe went to film school. I don't know, but he 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 doesn't he doesn't show or he doesn't tell. Rather, he shows he shows rather than tells. Instead of giving her all this exposition about what the Shrike are, he just throws her in a room with one and makes her fight it and hopes that she can win. He says he's going to turn her and that feels pretty ominous and sounds like he's going to hypnotize her or something like that, or put her under mind control. But in reality, he's just going to show her the truth and turn her because she will see the truth of what's going on in their situation. And she, like us has realized he's there to stop these things, not bringing them with him. Turn her. What did he mean by that? Exactly. Did he think that she was automatically just going to jump on their truck and, and yes, speed away and and fight these things with them i think that's the intention that she would see the cause and she would join the cause he needs a crew you know because he's a he's a colson like person he is a good leader and he knows he recognizes talent when he sees it he tries to get the people under his command to work to their highest potential uh, he sees May, he sees someone who's intelligent, he sees someone who is capable, and he sees someone who would be a great benefit to their team. And I think that he was a little overconfident <laughs> that his uh, his his process of um, you know convincing her was going to work perfectly. Well, clearly he did not know Melinda May. No, no. Nope. But I, I did like the scene you know, where you get to see how this works and you see it happening again. She sees how it's all happening to realize that there is something very odd going on, but it's not being brought on by Sarge and his people. Um, it's, it's good. Yeah. Actually, this may be a good way to illustrate how Sarge and Colson are very different because Sarge was just put her in a room with this thing and she'll, she'll, become one of us whereas clark Gregg, he would have given like he gave with daisy he gave he gives people the time to come to his side he does but he would also do something dramatic it's just if he did something dramatic like that there would it wouldn't put them in direct danger they might think they were in direct danger 
but that would just be to prove the point. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't put them in a situation where, yeah, they're either going to find out the truth or they're going to die. And in some ways, that might have been him testing her. Like, is she good enough to be a part of this team? Because if she defeats the thing, then we want her. But if she can't, then maybe she maybe he did that for all of his whole team. You know, they, they all passed a test of, of that something like that. Maybe. Perhaps. But I'm just thinking of way back in the beginning of the series when uh, Coulson convinced May to just be the pilot for the bus. Mm-hmm. And he knew that she needed to get out from behind that desk because she couldn't. Um, she was going through some things and he knew that getting her on the bus, eventually she would get off the bus and do her thing. But there was a second thing at play there. Do you remember that, though? She was also convinced to get on the bus to watch him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't all him. Uh, I mean, he was doing exactly what you're saying, but there was another dual dual side to it as well. That's right. Oh, this is why I'm glad you're rewatching the series. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) I... I, I have to say I'm really enjoying the rewatch. I wouldn't be doing the rewatch if it wasn't for my kids. Uh, and so it's it's nice, you know, it's nice on a couple different levels, but it's been very helpful in some ways because I wouldn't have ever watched it. So I might have waited until S.H.I.E.L.D. was canceled. And then after the last episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., maybe I would have gone back and done a rewatch then. But I'm doing it now and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Okay, so uh, the Shrike. What do you think about the Shrike? I think they're a lot like Langoliers. Stephen King's Langoliers. Yes, that is true. That is true. Uh, There is a character from Marvel Comics called uh, Killer Shrike. Killer Shrike. Yeah, and Killer Shrike is not the greatest villain i have read like maybe two or three comics with killer shrike in it um and it never made a big impression on me um it wasn't until they named the shrike in our show that i looked it up to see you know what is it and I'm like, oh i remember that character but i i don't really remember that character um the other is thing it spelled um s-h-r-i-k-e yes Okay, because yes. that's how the subtitles on my TV spelled it. Yeah. So, um, hmm. And a shrike is a bird. And I guess that they're kind of pretty vicious birds. But they are an actual bird that we have in, in our world. And the shrike is also the name of a creature from a one of my favorite books of all time. From um, It's called Hyperion. And uh, it's by... Uh, Dan Simmons and the Shrike in that is this uh, awful nightmare creature that takes uh, victims and puts them on a uh, this tree thing, hangs them on these these uh, thorns on trees, and that's what the Shrike does in real life. the The bird Shrike will catch insects and put their bodies on branches of of trees with thorns or things like that. And then it helps them to actually um, like eat their prey by doing that. 
Hmm. So they're vicious birds. And in uh in Hyperion, the the creature is a a vicious, vicious creature. But then it turns out it's not as bad as it I don't want to get into it too much, but I recommend the book. It is a very rough book to read. There are some uh lots of violent situations in there and maybe in some situations that might be uh um triggering, I guess, for lack of a better term. But, ah, okay. but it is a a very interesting and thought-provoking book series. There's four of them. There's Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion. And then they, he came back and did another sequel series called Endymion and the Rise of Endymion. And he's, he's, he's one of my favorite authors. He's an incredible author. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, the Shrike is a Marvel word, but I have yet to see how, uh, how the Shrike and Killer Shrike from the Marvel comics are related to each other. So we'll see. But the whole spiky thing, you know, sticking insects on thorns so that they die and and can, it can eat them easier. Um, you got this whole spiky crystal thing happening as well. Well, that works a little bit differently. A lot differently. It's... Don't Yeah, don't get <laughs> me wrong. There's just, yeah. there's pointy things going through people. So yeah, that, well, that's how it's the same. That's that's really well. It. <laughs> one is putting an insect on a pointy thing. The other is creating pointy things from the energy of the dead body. From within, yes. From within, yes. No, I, I'm, I'm just saying pointy things and birds. Okay, that's. <laughs> well, yeah. you say birds. I see cancer. Uh, I, I see mold. I I see a virus that is I spreading see, rapidly. Yeah, I I see yeah. evil alien bat bird creature. Yeah. And and body horror and and that's what makes the season I'm I'm curious like you know in a year or two when when my my kids actually get to the season how they'll respond to it because um it's there the creature I mean this actually had me thinking of of John Carpenter's the thing as well uh as the the guy is like walking uh, with his hands and, and feet, but he's not walking how we normally would crawl if we're doing that kind of thing, but oh. with his belly up and his back down. And it's like that. I don't know what you call it, but I know gymnast gymnasts do it. <laughs> um, yeah. But in gymnastics, it's called a bridge. That's um, the word. Yeah. Uh, but he's and walking as a bridge. I, I and... did that myself when I was about five or six, cause I was in gymnastics at the time and yeah, a bridge walk. It's something completely different in gymnastic gymnastics. Um, I didn't think of the thing. I thought of the exorcist. Oh, I could see that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause that was, he started doing that and I immediately flashed back to Reagan um, walking like that in the movie when she's being possessed. Well, I didn't think of the thing when he's walking like that, but I did think of the thing when he stood up and when he was like the way he was moving, but there's a lot of horror uh, film horror where they have that kind of herky jerky movement movement that your body could do, but doesn't do. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's, it's creepy and effective. Yes. You don't want to shrike inside you. No. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, no, I cannot walk like that anymore. I am just way out of practice and you don't meet many gymnasts still active in their mid thirties 
for a reason. So, because by the time you hit your late 20s, you're already starting to feel your age (laughs) sometimes. Um, So, May and Sarge. May does act like she's on board. He keeps her cuffed, but she gets out of it and... Because she's May. Yep. She takes on Snowflake. And then she takes on Phil in the cab of the truck. <laughs> and Not Phil. Sarge, Sarge. In the cab of the truck. While they're fighting, they're also flashing back to them sitting side by side, not in a truck, but sitting side by side in law, you know, lawn chairs or whatever next to the beach. And it's it's effective for what it is. And this is where I'm okay with it. And I'm starting to feel like, okay, this is why they're choosing to do it this way instead of maybe they're having to do it this way because budget cost. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you do get the sense that this is just a memory of a conversation and not uh, being distracted by the location itself. It's just a memory of a moment between two people. Yeah, it's just the the moment mirrors the other moment. Right. They, they mirror each other and and have been throughout the whole episode. And so is it emotional? Yes, and that's what makes it effective. Is it convenient and is it um, coincidence that the conversation that she needs to remember that gets brought up by the emotion of her moments here – that they happen to be sitting the way they do. And uh, yeah, it is convenient. It is coincidence. Uh, But by the time we get to the end of the episode, I'm with it because of the emotion that goes into it. So there's at least that going for it. (laughs) But I, I, I don't know. I'm assuming that this is the death scene for Coulson. I wondered that, but I wasn't sure because he's, he could have just simply fallen asleep at that moment. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. I, the music cue made it feel death scene-y. It's, it's ambiguous the way it ended. So I don't think we really need to worry about it either way. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's my assumption. You know, I, I don't feel like they actually say it one way or the other or show it one way or the other. But now May, I mean, she hates this guy. Yeah. <laughs> she hates this guy. And I'm curious, you know, we've got one more season after this. We have a season in the next, you know, television season. I'm not sure if it starts in the fall or not, but I'm just curious how long is Sarge going to be around? Um, because on the one hand, I don't want to see Clark Gregg go. I really would like him to be there at the end, be there in the final episode. Clark Gregg, one way or another, has to be in the final episode. Is it as Sarge? Well, I don't I don't know. But um, I'm really hoping that the backstory for this guy lives up to being Clark Gregg and being our Coulson's face, you know, Coulson's body. Colson, you know, he's not quite as as Stuart would say, you know, he doesn't have the goatee, mirror universe goatee, you know, it's not there. Um so I, I he's shown that he's not complete evil, but 
at the same time, he's also not our Coulson. Yeah. Then again, there's an advantage to having uh, Clark Gregg play a new character. Because uh, Coulson and May never would have had a fight like this before, where the, it, it was like to the death almost. And of course she won. She won, of course. Of course yeah, and, she won. And of, co- and of course Coulson and May sparred and practiced in, in uh, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gym room. But they would have never had an intense fight like this. No. And that was an excellent fight scene. Yeah. And they're both just sitting down for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that fight scene. There's not a lot of fight scenes that I will, I get kind of bored sometimes watching them, but that one I sat through and watched. And I think maybe it's because it was also cut in with, uh, with those Tahiti flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was it was a really effective way of showing how different Coulson is from Sarge. Yeah, and 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 what May is feeling at that moment. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, and now she is coming back. She's she's got the truck. She's got Sarge. She's got Snowflake. So Sarge's entire team is at the lighthouse, and our entire team, except for Fitz and Simmons is also back at the lighthouse. And so uh, we can get ready to see what's going to happen here now. But I'm I'm ready, ready for the ride, ready to watch the episode you have already seen that I have not. Well, I was going to give you an assignment, Agent, but obviously you have already figured it out. Um, what's that? To you got to watch the next episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to say more if I keep talking about it. It's, well, but I'm also afraid that I'm going to hype it up too much. And you just will not like it that much. <laughs> That's possible. Yeah, that is possible. All right. Well, let's wrap this up with a couple bits of feedback from some listeners. First is from Agent Brent. And Agent Brent writes in to say, uh, well, this, the subject line is Fitz's timeline. And he says, good afternoon from Agent Ascender. In Arkansas, as I was watching Fear and Loathing on the Planet of Kits and something neat about Fitz's timeline occurred to me. This whole season so far could have been everything Fitz experienced in the original timeline. He could have done all of this and more before returning to cryosleep and waking up at the right time. So the neat thing is at the exact point of time when this Fitz would have started his own new timeline, when he saw Gemma at the casino is when he was abducted. Not sure what exactly that means in the big picture of things, but thought this was more than a coincidence. Thoughts? And I actually, I I think even after seeing this episode, I could see where, yeah, that could be the branching off of the timelines is as far as Fitz is concerned, where he would have possibly just gone ahead, gone back to the other planet, bought a new Cairo chamber, and then been able to go back to sleep. But instead, because of all the shenanigans with Enoch and with the time travel and with the Chronicom, uh, that 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 interrupted his old path, and and Gemma also would have interrupted his old path at that point as well. But yeah, my thoughts are, I don't know if they're going to reveal it exactly, but it definitely could be that way. Oh Ben, I yes. already suggested that to you when we recorded about fear and loathing. Did you? Is that what you said? Yes. That that's where I, the I timeline s- branched off. 
Well, I didn't say that, but I said that it's it's possible that Fitz did not stay in that cryo sleep for the entire ninety or okay, seventy. Yeah, seven I, years. I do remember you saying that. Yeah. And and he's and he's right that um, uh, Fitz seeing Gemma at that casino that would be a place where there, his uh, his original timeline would split into this new timeline. Yeah, because my original thought is that the timeline splits when the ship gets split. Which, now that I think of it again, the ship got destroyed. But it wasn't destroyed in... I mean, he was alive on that ship in the future last season. But Enoch said that he had some adventures um, while... Uh, Fitz was in the cryo sleep. Yeah, but the ship survived. Was it okay? I'd yeah, that's that's what watch. I was saying. Is the the ship survived? So I'll have to go back and see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, from Agent Dylan, he says uh, the other thing is the subject line. Agent, it just occurred to me that stopping Graviton in season five probably changed who in Shield got snapped. So maybe this isn't the 2014 Thanos got snapped timeline. Maybe. So, yeah. Also, it looks like Killer Shrike is our bad guy. I better look him up. <laughs> so. Uh, and so what he's saying is. Uh, that. When they stopped Graviton, they changed the snap itself, the nature of the snap and who got snapped because there were more people alive. But I say it doesn't matter now. I mean, yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know if they're ever going to be able to line up with the MCU at large now. Unless we find out in the next season or something that we are actually in a different universe where that whole endgame stuff never happened. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm seeing some uh, people online saying, oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is no longer part of the MCU. It's part of the MCU. It's just no longer part of MCU Prime, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm but really, we're I, still going to be watching the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, it disappoints me. Yeah. It disappoints me, me that they weren't able to, to sync up. I mean... Honestly, if they just could have had the title card on this show instead of one year later, be five years later. Yeah, the, the first episode of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season. Part of me wishes that they had stayed in the future. That would have or, made or stayed so much in space. Easier. If they yeah. had all gone to space. You know, last season ended with everyone on the ship except Phil and May. And... It could have it could have been that, or they could have just said it's not been one year; it's been five years, and they're not talking about the snap right now because they don't need to, you know, because everyone's back now. And yeah, yeah. so well, I mean, this is one of those things where they're either going to just ignore it and keep going and just keep swimming, just keep swimming, or next season they're going to do something and try and figure out a way to make it all fit together. And I would really like to see them try to do that. Although they could really, really, really 
mess things up if they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've already really messed things up if you really want to try to line up timelines. Uh, yeah, uh, they have. They have. I mean, but what I'm saying is by doing it this way, they don't have to explain themselves. We're just going to keep on going. If they try to explain themselves, that's oh, where it no. could get really bad. I just thought of something. What if it's a whole who shot JR situation and at the end of the series they wake up and it turns out that they were inside the um, oh, inside the framework all along for like the past few seasons? Oh, that'd be terrible. It would be because they already they already played with that. Yeah. Um, even worse. Want to go a step worse? That this is all still in Coulson's imagination as the machine is putting his brain back together. Oh, that would be so much worse. That'd be so bad. <sighs> you know, at least Cloak and Dagger and the Netflix series can get away with it because I think all of those series are still set a few years ago. And before the snap, yeah. And yeah. before the snap. Uh, the other thing they really could end up doing is just saying, yeah, this is another universe. This is this is not you know, we're, we we started out in the prime universe. All the time travel shenanigans took them to another one. And then mid season finale of season seven, you know, cliffhanger is them returning to the original timeline. Yeah. Huh. You know, and finding out about the snap and finding out about all these terrible things that have happened. And Coulson is still alive in that timeline. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So that's it, it just it, they've created an interesting situation for themselves. So. All right. That is the end of this episode. Uh, Samantha, do you have anything else you want us to address before we, we shut this one down? Yes. Uh, watch um, the next episode inescapable if you haven't seen it already. And if you have rewatch it because, you know, you want to. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Also, yeah. Um, and I would also like to thank our Patreon patrons, Andrew, Jeffrey, Tassel, 084, Blessed Cheesemaker, and Dre. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I just want to say that, uh, yes, as I said, thank you. Thank you very much. But, um, I've just been really enjoying this, ep this, this season, this season, and as much as you know, we want to complain about the MCU not lining up with our TV show. We need to stay positive. We need to stay positive and enjoy the stuff that's good and enjoy the stuff that we like. And yes, we can talk about the things we didn't like, but we still, we still need to enjoy it. And I want to help you enjoy it. I want this podcast to be a place where you can come to the MCU and enjoy it. And ladies and gentlemen, I can help you break free from your chrysalis of negativity. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 17755-LEVEL7. also join the conversation by liking us on facebook facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or by following us on twitter where we are level seven pod 
Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. I cannot believe that was your closing line. Why can't you believe that? Because <laughs> she was really getting on my nerves this episode about that. <laughs> we didn't even talk about her, actually. Uh, eh. I could have done without her this episode. I think that it did some good stuff with her where they, you know, she she brought in the guy, did the bag and gag or whatever, and mm-hmm. um, did what she needed to do. Sarge put his trust in her and, and she came through. So. I'm on team May. Oh, definitely. When it, com- <laughs> when it comes to her thoughts about Snowflake. No, yeah. don't get me wrong. Snowflake is an annoying character on purpose and it does the job that the writers want it to do when, when you're annoyed. But yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to talk quickly about a comic book. So I'll talk okay. to you later. Okay, Samantha. Okay. Bye. Bye. So what I wanted to talk about as far as comics go, this is hopefully relevant to your interests. Uh, but if it's not something you knew about, then maybe it's something that you might be interested in picking up. Because um, I just started reading a comic series from Marvel called The Immortal Hulk. And I was surprised by it by a couple different things. One of them was basically, as I'm reading these first few issues of this series, I am really reminded of a modernized version of the Incredible Hulk TV series, where um, Banner moves from town to town, helps someone or solves a problem in each town, and then has to move on to get to the next place. Uh, the Immortal Hulk refers to the fact that... Um, Hulk itself can't die. Banner can, but Hulk cannot. And Hulk does not. And so if Banner does die, uh, when later on at night when he becomes the Hulk again, uh, you know, Banner's back to life again. And so it's this kind of cycle thing going on. Uh, but it also, I think, is intentionally supposed to remind us of the original Incredible Hulk TV show because there is a reporter following him around named McGee. Now, it's Jenny McGee rather than Jack McGee, uh, but it's a McGee nonetheless. And it's a reporter that is, you know, tracking down, you know, rumors of this uh, green creature sightings and stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying it uh, so far. I'm, I'm only a couple issues in and, you know, it's it. After a, after a little while, um, maybe I will find out that I'm wrong to enjoy this. Maybe it's not something I will enjoy. But um, I bought the collected edition of the first collected edition, and I'll be buying the next few. Uh, they're only like 20 issues in, so just like a year and a half, almost two years of issues. But um, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, and as you know, it's, it's a. Uh, definitely uh, relevant to your interest kind of thing um, because it's Marvel, it's the Hulk, you know, and it's a decent, so far, a couple decent stories. The other interesting thing about this, though, is this is Marvel's number one selling series right now. I was really surprised when I picked this up at the comic shop today. Um, 
I grabbed the the collected edition instead of buying the back issues. It was cheaper to do it that way. I knew that there was a reprint series starting up that's going to be like a director's cut kind of thing where it has, you know, script and it'd be black and white art instead of the full color art. And it's the kind of thing where if you're really into comic books, it's fun to see, you know, all the pieces that go into place uh, to create the, the end product. Uh, and I decided not to go with the with that. I decided, first of all, I don't want to wait and go month to month with it. You know, why would I want to do that? And instead, I'm going to go ahead and just buy the collected editions as I read them. It's also cheaper because those special edition comics like that tend to run four or five, six dollars uh, a piece. So I thought about, you know, just going month to month with the Immortal Hulk. But instead, I'm just going to go ahead and, um, you know, especially I, I haven't finished the first volume. But if the whole volume is as good as the first few issues that I've read, then definitely going to be picking up the next one. So, yeah, just a little bit of comic talk for your Welcome to Level 7 episode. And we will see you next time. I'm not sure when that will be, but it will be soon-ish. And we'll be talking about the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I believe sometime we will still get in that Cloak and Dagger episode 10 episode that we really need to do. But, um... That's something that I really wanted to do with all three of us, Samantha, Stuart, and me. And uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. And so we'll see. We'll see. If we can make it happen, we're going to make it happen. If not, then eventually we'll just, you know, make do with with two. Um, But that's not one I'm going to go solo on. Definitely not. So thanks for listening. Have a great day and Godspeed.